Black Doctors Podcast. Hello, welcome back to Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. So excited to have on our show today, Dr. Adjua Anyane Yeboah. Did I say that correctly? Almost. Almost. Oh, well, Adjua let's get it right. Anyane Yeboah. You just have to Adjua say it more Ad- perfect. All right. She is here to represent the field of gastroenterology, as well as some other niche aspects of that field. She currently practices in Boston. Adjua, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we were just catching up because it's been a couple of years, but you've accomplished so much in those couple of years. Thank you. Yeah, it's, time flies. Time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Well, that that's good. We'll, we'll get to that because <laughs> you, you are still having fun, even though you're uh, committed to this lifestyle of, of academic medicine. Yes. Yep. Yep. Found a way to make it fun for me. And I think that's Perfect. the key. All right. Well, in this show, we love to start at the very beginning. Um, so, so kicking things off, what got you interested in medicine? I think for me, it was really working directly with people, working directly with patients. When I was actually in high school, I wanted to do something in law or in policy. Uh, and so I interned at my local assemblywoman's office and I realized it was a lot of paperwork and like reading legal bills and pages of documents and it was less people. Uh, And so after that, I realized maybe something like medicine would be more for me. And I think the fact that my dad was a physician and so I saw somebody and had a role model in the field, I think that probably contributed to that decision. And you were in high school during this? I was in high school. Yep. I was either a junior or a senior in high school. And, And what type of physician was your dad? So he is a geneticist. So very different than what I do now, oh, clinical genetics. Okay. Yeah, he just retired last year. But he did all wow. his training actually in Ghana. And okay. And came here for residency. Wow, it's impressive. But not, not no genetics for you in, in oh, your future, huh? no. He tried to convince <laughs> me, but there's try to stay very way, far away from genetics and chromosomes and this and that. It's not it's for somebody. It's not for me. It's for him. Not for you. <laughs> and so you were exposed to that, but as you kind of were finishing up high school and heading to college, did you know the plan was medicine? Yes. So as soon as I got into undergrad, I knew that I was going to be on the pre-med track. That was definitely a rude awakening though when I got there and I took that first biology course. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know you can probably, you probably felt similar, but it was definitely a learning curve. And it's interesting though, because we had like our, you know, our study group, right? And it it tends to always be like, you know, the black people together studying together. We had our group. <laughs> it was a big group freshman year. By the time it got to senior year, I think there was only like one or two or three of us left. We wow. had a room of people studying together to like three of us by the time we got to our fourth year. So... It was definitely, it was, an, it was an interesting, interesting experience. Where, where'd you do undergrad? Tufts in Boston. Tufts, okay. Actually, okay. Yeah. And so out of that group of friends, where are they now? So one of them is actually in Boston doing adolescent medicine. She is at a, in a private practice. And then the other one, I'm embarrassed to say, she might be doing pediatric critical care. 
Okay. I don't want to say her name. In medicine. In medicine. She's yeah. in medicine. Yep. She's in medicine. Wow. In fact, okay. I'm like, let me just Google her real quick because I'm embarrassed that <laughs> yeah, it, I don't it's, know where it's she is. tough, man. I remember in the struggle, like the, the friends group that I studied with and always feeling inferior and subpar because I was getting B pluses and they were getting A's. And then out of that group, man, there's, there's, there's only like one or two that made it all the way to medical school. Isn't that crazy? It's just crazy yeah. how... I don't know how they weed us out. Well, they they tried hard to weed us out and some Mm -hmm. they were able to weed them out. But it's just, it's unfortunate that it's, you know, you start with so many people and then as the time goes on, whether it's the coursework, whether it's sometimes poor guidance and poor mentorship that people, people kind of fall off the track. So she's a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Okay, there we go. I'm glad I looked that up. Yeah. And and, and it's it's crazy because you know, some of the, I mean, we're all bright, whether you're in medicine or whatever field, but you've worked so hard to get there and then the weed out and then you get to medical school and then you realize you're like, oh, this is a different league. And then there's residencies. So all on the way. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. And it's interesting because I feel like you learn so much about yourself along the way and you, you feel like the yeah. last thing was the hardest thing. And then you get to the next thing and you're like, whoa, this is serious. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it was like a 10x step up at every yes. level for me. Like, yep. Oh my God. And even within the levels, like going from intern year to second year of residency was like probably 5X. And it's just <laughs> <laughs> each level had its own challenges. Yeah. So tough. So you're in Boston and then you're a pre-med major? Uh, I was actually a child development major. Which is huh. interesting. Yeah, everybody who was pre-med was a like a biology major, but I went there knowing that I loved kids and that I was going to be a pediatrician and that was going to be my jam. And so child development, even when I got into, I chose my medical school because I wanted to be a pediatrician. And as soon as I got there, I signed up for the pediatric scholars program. And I was like, this is me, which was a longitudinal program. <laughs> yeah, in Namibia, wow. and that's fascinating. So I, I love people's stories because there's some people that have some guidance, a family member or a guidance counselor, or somebody that prepared them to like, oh, you know, there's specialties. I, my buddy Anthony, the surgery resident, now was like he didn't know there were specialties when he got into medical school, and I was kind of in that camp. All I knew was orthopedic surgery. Quickly realized that that wasn't for me, or I wasn't for it, one or the other, and then I was just kind of lost finding specialties. But you came in wanting to do pediatrics and then something happened. So so how was that? How did that unfold? The what happened or that why I wanted to do peds or well, the both. Thing? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, going in knowing you wanted to do peds. Yeah. How, what made you switch? So so I'd always love kids. I knew I was great with kids. Kids love me too. They still do, which is I guess weird to say about yourself, but I just <laughs> I knew that I just loved working with kids and my dad actually He's a geneticist, and so genetics is actually typically in pediatrics. So I spent a lot of time in the mm. children's hospital growing up with he was at work or meeting him at work. And so when I got to undergrad, I knew gung-ho child development, so I knew I would know everything, so I'd be the best pediatrician possible. When I got to medical school, in my third year of medical school, and I actually I chose my rotation for third year based on everything was pediatrics. I was like, okay, I got to do it at this point. So it would be perfect. I can get a letter. Like this is the time to do it. 
And so I did medicine first, pediatric second. I did medicine first, but it was it was like an early, it was like it was too early in the in the my third year for me to really know if I just liked being on the wards or if I really liked medicine. But when I did medicine, I, I, I it was just fun. I just enjoyed it. Mm. I loved talking to patients. I felt like that, you know, could be my jam. And I love that, not to be corny, but I love the art of medicine and that you can do so many different things, different ways. And there's not always a, a, a right answer. There's different ways to do different things. When I got to my pediatrics rotation, so excited. Like, yes, finally, the moment has come. I've been waiting for peds for so long. And I didn't like it. I didn't like oh, it. No. I was bored with it. Even to this date, thinking about well child checks is like nails on a chalkboard. Like, I don't care if you're taking <laughs> walk, skip, jump, talk, say 10 words. I don't care. And so I was like, I, I was kind of thrown off because when you put so many years mm. and so much investment into doing something and then when yeah. you get there and it's not what you anticipated i kind of was like what you said you, how you were kind of lost at that point i was lost and i was like so each rotation i was like do i like this do i like this do i like that for about five minutes i thought i was gonna be a plastic surgeon because i loved suturing the skin i don't know okay. <laughs> but it's and so after i did the whole third year it was still medicine that i'd liked out of everything else and so I did my medicine sub-I, I did an early AI, and the rest rest is history. So I, I wonder when you were doing that peds rotation and you're realizing that this wasn't for me, did you try to lean into that and make yourself love it because that's what you're supposed to do? Absolutely. Because that would have been yeah. the easy thing. Mm-hmm. That would have been the easy thing. But I realized later, part of it was that kids are healthy, which is good. And so the wild child checks were like usually healthy kids. And then also in peds, I wasn't able to connect with my patients. And that's going back to high school, what the thing was that I really wanted to connect and work with people. And that's why I wanted to do medicine. But in pediatrics, I had to go through the parents. uh, And so I wasn't able to actually like build that same level of bond with my patients as I was able to in medicine because I was able to talk directly with them Whereas in pediatrics, I wasn't really able to develop that same connection with their parents, maybe, but not as much with them. And I think that was yeah. part of the decision as well. It's fascinating. So you you found your your love in internal medicine. What took you from internal medicine to gastroenterology? Yeah, good question. So in my in my fourth year, later in my fourth year of medical school, I started to investigate the different medicine specialties. So I did GI and I was like, whoa, this is super fun. And they get to do procedures and they, they're in clinic, they're inpatient. Their no day looks like the other, which is good for me because I get bored really easily. So the variability was really nice. But then there was something about cardiology that also kind of had my eye a little bit and hemonc, interestingly. Hmm. Wow. Uh, I know it's very, they're all very different. And so when I got to residency, I've always, and not to be corny, but I've always kind of like gone with my gut in terms of how I feel. Oh my God. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> and I still am today. Still going with my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I really tried to pay attention to like how I felt on the rotations. And so when I was on GI, that was the one where I was excited to go into work and come home and actually like read about things. And I didn't feel drained. I was, ex- I was excited to learn new things. And then another thing that somebody said in residency 
when choosing my specialties or, or when choosing specialties in general was pay attention to the personalities of the other people in the field. I like, could those yeah. people be your people? Oh, that's key. It's key, right? And so I looked at the cardio and I was like, those people are not my people. They were so intense. <laughs> they were like citing studies. They were so serious. The hematology folks were not my people either. Also kind of serious. The GI folks were making fart jokes. They were just yeah. kind of easygoing, chill. It's like, those are my people. And they still are. Wow. Still so I, I have the humor of like a seven-year-old child back to your pediatric days. <laughs> How do you deal with poop in, in like the GI world? Like the smell, like do you just get used to it or like what? what's... Yeah, I mean, I work? think a lot of people ask that question. I think the good news is that at least for colonoscopy, if somebody is like farting on you, it's at least their colon is clean for the most part, right? So at least okay. it's, it's stuff that you make a, air you make some lemon, out. lemonade out of those lemons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there are, there have been times where there's stuff that's dripped on the floor and on my shoes and it's just, it's another day at the office. It's different strokes for different folks. And so, yeah, yeah but you're right. That usually you do the prep. So you're, yeah. It's, yeah. It's mostly clean. It's just when it's not a good prep that you, there's some consequences, let's say. Let's yeah. Say that. But, okay. you know. Different. It's funny because like poop to me is not gross, but for instance, like derm, like skin and all these skin issues was this is some weird stuff. to me. Yeah. And so different. you're here. I'll share my own experience. I had uh, some medical stuff I had to get worked up, right? So I actually had an upper and a lower. What'd you think? Well, I, I'm an anesthesiologist, but I, I struggle with giving up control. Yeah. So... My, my wife and my good friend, Benita, who's a neurosurgeon, they think this is the funniest story ever. But I chose to have my upper without anesthesia. Wait, without like propofol or without any sedation? For your upper and upper? Straight up. Yeah. Are you okay? I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> and they were able to um, complete it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, so I took anesthesia. So I, so I took some... This is when I was in the Navy... I took some 4% lidocaine. And so I had that, like I had a little bag and I showed up, I'd done the prep. And then they're, they're all like, are you sure? Are you sure? And mind you, I work with all these, these people. My friend was the GI doc. And so I'm sitting there gargling my 4% lidocaine. And then we get in there. And then the tech who I know, like he hits me with the hurricane spray, which is like banana flavored <laughs> benzocaine. Oh and God. that stuff like, man, it hits the back of your throat. Like everything, my eyes are watering. And then, yeah, the EGD, it goes down there and I'm watching on the screen. Oh like, all I had to do was like breathe. It didn't hurt. It was just like uncomfortable. Pause. And then I just had to keep breathing and I could like see the inside of my stomach, which was cool. So then they finished that part. And then the nurse was like, oh man, you took it like a champ. I'm like, please don't, don't tell anybody. They, did, <laughs> they let me choose the music. They let me That's choose good. the music. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin. This song will be forever ruined. What'd you choose? Now... St. Paul and the and the it was like some some folk music. I mean, okay. it didn't didn't really set a vibe or anything. It, it was a little weird. <laughs> I love that you chose folk music. Yeah, it's interesting. Some patients uh, prefer to do unsedated colonoscopies. So I've done a I've done a few of them. It's not common as you can expect, but I've never had anybody ask for an unsedated upper endoscopy ever. I would not do it again. Zero out of 10 would not recommend. That's not the message we want to get out there. 
Uh, without sedation. Okay, okay. It's <laughs> like, wait a minute. Can because we edit that it out? actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, get your coffee because that leads us to our next. Our next topic is healthcare disparities in Black Americans and Black people with colon cancer. Right. So, yeah. so we saw Will Smith got his colonoscopy. But in your your practice, what do you see with regards to healthcare disparities, and why why is this disproportionately affecting Black people? Yeah. So you know, nationally and across many states and in Boston as well. So Black people have high uh, rates of colon cancer, new cases and and death from colon cancer. So in Massachusetts. In case you didn't know, March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And we are so privileged to have such an incredible guest on for this month. These first two episodes, we just finished talking about how um, Dr. Yeboah found her calling in gastroenterology. The next half of the episode, and tune in next week to hear the conversation continue, speaking specifically about healthcare disparities in colon cancer, what that looks like, how patients are affected, and what we can do to impact this community and to affect change. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Black Doctors Podcast. We're here because representation matters.